Good morning. And a blessed new year and Christmas to you as we continue in this 12-day season of joy. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb. A special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us this day. We have great joy as we, well, celebrate a rather, according to the world's eyes, odd holiday in the church, and that is the circumcision and naming of Jesus. Now, this might strike you as just a little bit off, but as you'll learn from both the readings and the sermon, this was not only necessary, but it is something in which we can glory and in which we can celebrate because Christ has fulfilled the law for us, the one who has come to save us, and indeed has, through his death and resurrection. At this time, I'll turn your attention to the Focused on Christ section on the inside of the back cover of your bulletin, where we have a summary of our readings for the day. From the days of Abraham, circumcision was a sign of the covenant God made with his chosen people. At his circumcision, the infant Jesus took his place under the law, and his blood was shed for the first time on our behalf. It was also at his circumcision that the Christ was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus is the fulfillment of his name, which means the Lord saves. In his death and resurrection, we have been set free from sin, death, and the power of the devil. We receive the salvation of God through faith, not by works. As St. Paul writes, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Just as we are baptized in God's triune name, he sends his called and ordained servants to place his name upon us until the day we enter his eternal promised land. We also have the great joy of receiving Christ's body and blood in, with, and under bread and wine this day as he has instituted it and given it to his Christians to eat and drink for the forgiveness of their sins. And as part of his word, he gives it to us uh, with the insistence that we be in the same confession as we come to the altar. Therefore, all those who are members of this congregation and sister congregations of the Lutheran Church may commune freely, but we do ask that if you are not a member of our congregation or a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, to refrain this day from receiving the Lord's body and blood as we pray for the day of Jesus' return when all divisions shall cease. Our service this day is Divine Service Setting 3. As it begins on page 184, we now sing the first hymn. Lord God, you made your beloved Son our Savior subject to the law and caused him to shed his blood on our behalf. Grant us the true circumcision of the Spirit that our hearts may be made pure from all sins. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the Feast of the Circumcision and Name of Jesus is from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus shall you bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Galatians chapter 3. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. 
So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. When he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our sermon is today is based upon that very short gospel lesson which we heard just a moment ago. Well, as the world wakes up groggy from an evening of wild partying, supposedly to welcome in the civil new year, the church, in contrast, wakes up, calls her children to come together to praise God for what is an odd gift, the circumcision of a baby Jewish boy two millennia ago. What? The world asks with bleary eyes, are you serious? We are indeed. Today marks the eighth day since Christians celebrated Jesus' birth. Eight days after he was born, Mary and Joseph brought their baby boy to receive circumcision. As part of that ceremony, the child was named Jesus, meaning the Lord saves, the very name the angel had foretold to his parents. Now, Jews had been circumcising their male children ever since the days of Abraham. Circumcision brought that child into God's covenant promise with Abraham, marking him as one of God's own. Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 14, detail the institution of circumcision. Well, for century after long century, God's Old Testament people, they waited eagerly for the Lord to keep the biggest part of his promise to Abraham, the day on which all families of the earth would be blessed through one of Abraham's descendants. The sign of God's promise was put, one must say, in a logical place. Israelite boys bore on their bodies a constant reminder of the promised seed of Eve, the Savior, the blessed one who would one day be born to save us all. When Mary and Joseph had Jesus circumcised, the circumcision to end all circumcisions took place. The promised one had come. Now we see in this both Christ's active and passive obedience. We confess both of these here with this event. Now, actively, Jesus, the giver of the law, he humbly stooped to stand under the law in order to fulfill it perfectly for all people. St. Paul speaks of this in Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. No human born from Adam in the usual way could ever do this, but as you well know, Jesus was not born in the usual way. Jesus, our Emmanuel, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. 
Therefore, with his circumcision, Jesus' unbroken yes to the will of his Father had begun. Now, passively, his infant bloodshed, it foreshadowed a much greater bloodshed to come. It foreshadowed already the blood pressed from him in the garden, running down his face from the cruel crown of thorns and from his pierced hands and feet, staining the wood of the cross. This was why he came, to spill his blood. That's how he would provide the covering that blots out the sin of the world, all of it. That is how the blessing would come. In the crucifixion of Jesus, we see how the Lord saves sinners by bearing the awful consequences of the law in our place. In the cross, law and gospel meet in the most shocking and glorious of ways. The sinless giver of the law suffers the full punishment of breaking the law in order to set lawless sinners free. The Lord of life walks through the valley of the shadow of death in order to open the way of life eternal to all believers. And all of this is done out of pure grace, pure kindness, pure, perfect, godly love. As sinners, you deserve none of this from God, but he does it anyway. As St. John says, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Even though Jesus had perfectly fulfilled circumcision, that did not stop false teachers from spreading confusion and lies in the decades and centuries to come. We see in the earliest days of the church after Pentecost that some false teachers insisted that to be a Christian, a man had needed to be circumcised and told to keep the law of Moses. Well, in a way, St. Paul agreed, and yet more profoundly he disagreed. He agreed that circumcision was important, but that it only benefited the person who kept the whole law and did so perfectly. And of course, the only person who could do this was Jesus. When you are baptized into him, into Christ, his circumcision and perfect obedience are counted as your very own. Everything that is his is signed over to you, put to your account in water with God's word. His righteousness, it becomes your righteousness. His perfect keeping of the law becomes your perfect keeping of the law. The same is true of his death and resurrection. In baptism, you are joined to Christ's death and resurrection. St. Paul teaches on this in Romans 6. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Baptism joins you to Jesus. And by being joined to Jesus, you are joined to the promise of Abraham. This is the connection of the gospel to the epistle this day. St. Paul writes, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Those who are baptized into Christ have faith in Christ and have faith in Christ are sons of God through faith. 
In other words, when God the Father looks upon you, his repentant, baptized child, he does not see an unclean, damnable sinner. No, instead he sees Jesus. For Christians, it doesn't matter whether you are a Jew or a Greek. Your nationality doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're a slave or free or male or female. God sees you as his baptized, forgiven child, covered with the blood of Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. This truth is so important that St. Paul writes about it further in his letter to the Colossians, saying, In him, that is, in Christ, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. As you've heard, the connections between baptism and circumcision are many. In baptism, you are joined to Jesus. The record of debt that stood against you has been nailed to the cross. Your sins are forgiven. God be praised. However, by being joined to Jesus in baptism, you are also cut off from the unbelieving world. As baptized children of God, you do not belong to this world anymore. You belong to God. Your citizenship is in heaven. Now, to be God's child is the most glorious thing. This is your identity. It is who you are. You are defined by what God says of you, not the world. God has marked you with his own triune name. He has sealed you with his Holy Spirit and set you apart as his, as his own dear child. Again, saints, this is your identity. This is who you are before anything else. You are God's child, a Christian. But to the unbelieving world in which we live, this is utterly offensive. You are identified by the name of Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb of Mary. You are one of those Jesus people. You're a Christian. You confess that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And it is this truth which causes so much offense in the world and also in the church. In the world, this truth is offensive because it is so exclusive. There is salvation in no one else and nothing else. Faith in Jesus is the only way to eternal life. This means that Muslims, Mormons, Hindus, atheists, witches, Satanists, and yes, even Jewish people will go to hell unless they repent and trust in Christ alone for their salvation, a work which is done by the Holy Spirit through the gospel. Unbelievers go to hell. This is our Heavenly Father's clear teaching in his word. This truth is offensive to the world and to our own sinful flesh. However, the doctrine of salvation through faith in Christ alone is also offensive in the church. Now, you might be wondering, how so? How is that possible? Well, your good works and good attentions cannot save you. Your political affiliation does not save you. doesn't matter what candidate you support. That does not save you before God. Your charitable giving does not save you, and neither does your volunteering. A Christian is not saved by their great wealth of knowledge nor lack of it. Before God, only faith in Christ Jesus saves. Dear saints, you know this well. But you see, perhaps among Christians, the most offensive thing about salvation in Christ alone is this. 
that there are people that we love that will go to hell. Think about it. How many confirmed youths have never come back to the church after their confirmation day? How many Christian marriages have begun in Christ only to end in spiritual apathy and unbelief? How many of your friends and relatives claim to be Christian, but functionally, they're atheists? What do I mean by that? They avoid Christ. They avoid his church. They avoid his word and sacraments as much as possible. How many Christians have their children baptized and then promptly neglect the gift of faith which the Holy Spirit has planted in their son or daughter? Dear saints, do not allow yourselves to become disillusioned. Faith in Christ Jesus saves. Unbelief condemns to hell. Children of God desire the gifts of God. Unbelievers, they have no appetite for Christ's word and sacraments, and they demonstrate this in a very simple way by avoiding them. Lest this cause you to despair, remember that there is sure and certain hope. His name is Jesus. In the midst of a world full of darkness and death, there is light and life. His name is Jesus. It is him that we are celebrating in this 12-day season of joy. Because, you see, we have every reason to celebrate even in the midst of a world that is falling apart. Why? For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus, which means the Lord saves, and he has saved us. In his incredible love and mercy, he came to fulfill the law, die our death on the cross, and rise from death in victory and triumph, and he has. All this he has done for you, for your loved ones, even your enemies, indeed the whole world. Now folks, all those that you hold dear in your hearts, Jesus loves them more than you ever could. He loves them perfectly, just as he loves you. He does not want them to go to hell. This is why he was born in Bethlehem, lived, died, and rose for each and every one of them. He is their Savior, not you. All he calls for you to do is to pray for their salvation, to confess the gospel to them as you have opportunity, and to invite them to come to church to hear his word and receive his gifts. If they reject the invitation, remember that they're not rejecting you, but him. They may reject your invitation to come now, but perhaps at a later time. They will come. Regardless of their answer, pray for them, love them, and commend them to the Holy Spirit because he knows best what to do. In the collect of the day, we prayed, Lord God, you made your beloved Son our Savior subject to the law and caused him to shed his blood on our behalf. Grant us the true circumcision of the Spirit that our hearts may be made pure from all sins. This true circumcision of the Spirit that purifies our hearts of sin is faith, which is given in baptism. In that blessed washing of water in the word, God put his triune name on sinners, and he gives them faith, which lays hold of all the gifts of Jesus' cross and resurrection. In water, word, bread, and wine, Jesus comes to you, his repentant people, bestowing forgiveness and mercy, light and life, healing and peace. All these gifts are yours through faith in Jesus, your Lord, who has saved you. So, just what does the circumcision of a newborn Jewish boy 2,000 years ago have to do with you today? As it turns out, absolutely everything. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
The peace of God which surpasses understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For humble hearts, that we would acknowledge the great wonder of our Almighty God, sending His Son to be born of the Virgin Mary under the law, working already for our salvation on the day of His circumcision, and that God would receive our heartfelt thanks for the righteousness and forgiveness of sins we have obtained through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For steadfast faith that we would ever be thankful for the loving kindness God has shown to us in Christ and never forget his benefits or lose sight of his promises, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For preservation from prejudice, that we would firmly believe from God's word that we are all one in Christ, for a deep appreciation of our distinctive callings, that we would recognize the beauty of God's diverse creation and our specific place within it, and that we would not resent what God has called us to be and to do, but to rejoice, to serve as he has ordained. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our leaders, including our president, governor, congress, legislators, judges, and magistrates, that our God would give them the wisdom and courage to act with integrity on behalf of all people, especially those least able to defend themselves. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those in need who cry out to God, especially Barb Lyon, Shirley Dover, Chuck Taney, John Motman, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that our Father would remember them, bless and keep them by his grace, lift up his countenance upon them and give them peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all the children of God invited to the table of his Son here today, that he would give us his Holy Spirit to discern Christ's body and blood and come with joyful and repentant hearts and that he would strengthen us by this blessed communion to love him above all and to love one another in his name. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Gracious Father, in your steadfast love, you put off the day of Jesus' return until the perfect time, when the number of your elect is complete. Keep your people watchful, vigilant, and awake with your gift of faith until that day. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, a blessed Christmas and New Year to all of you. We do have a handful of announcements here. Uh, first, again, just thanks be to God for the faithful service of our outgoing congregational officers and for those who have been today installed into their respective offices. If you've not picked them up already, the 2023 offering envelopes are now available. Please contact Stanley if you have any questions about that, or I guess now Rex, the torch of the past, right? So... Uh, Sunday school volunteers are needed for a few more Sundays in the coming months. Uh, please see the sheet on the glass case and prayerfully consider signing up. Most of those spots are filled, but there are a couple still available. So, uh, again, we en encourage you and hope and pray that you'll uh, take up that loving service to teach our little ones. Um, well, I do believe that brings us to the end of the announcements. Anything I may have missed? Okay, seeing nothing then? God bless you and keep you in his grace and in his holy name as we go into this new week and this new year. I'll greet you at the door.